0: This episode of Transmissions is brought to you by Prime Toys, where you can get collector-grade toys without the collector-grade prices. This month, Prime Toys is offering free shipping to Canada for all purchases over $325. Just use the code TRANSMISSIONSCANADA at primetoys.net. This episode is also brought to you with the support of our listeners. Please visit our support page at transmissionspodcast.com to find out how to support our show through Patreon or PayPal. If you can't support the show monetarily, please help us out by telling a friend about our show. And on that site, you should also, uh, there should be something about, like, activating a microphone.
1: Yeah, just clicking it now. All, right, uh, I see. all our mics seem to be on. Except for Charles. Except for mine. When I what click. a fucking amateur. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Charles, is gone. Great. What do we think about him, really, guys? I'm still here. <laughs> oh, sh- <laughs> John paul Beauvais is the, the peak best of transmissions, isn't he? So he's the, uh, yeah. the, fifth, the fifth shitty beetle. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> John paul is our Yoko.
1: <laughs> I almost fucking spacked my tea all over my drawings, guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hello, all sentient beings, and welcome to the Transmissions Podcast, where we talk about all news toys, and comic books related to the Transformers. On this episode of Transmissions, we sit down with artist and writer Nick Roche as we discuss his work with IDW's Transformers Comics. So sit tight, we're about to start Transmissions.
2: Welcome to Transmissions the podcast that hopes all its sins will never be uncovered. I'm your host, Charles, a.k.a. Big C, and I'm joined by the excellent transmission team. Yusuf, better known as Yoshi? Mm, Not today. Jeremy, a.k.a. Yakko.
0: Hey.
2: And Daryl, the Cybertronian Beast. Hey, how's it going? Let's talk Transformers. All right, and this is a very special episode. We are very excited for the special guest we have for you today. He's both a writer and artist on several IDW Transformers comics, and his work is a very large part of the foundation on which the modern IDW Transformers comic stories are built. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Nick Roche.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Why, Why have you brought me here? It's an interview. The the duct tape was completely unnecessary.
0: (laughs) That's what JP recommended that we use. Sorry. Yeah,
1: well, JP hasn't got as much facial hair as I have, and he never will. (laughs) Hey, you guys. How you doing? Yeah, I'm adequate. I'm very excited to be speaking to some, all of you. It's good. (laughs) (laughs) It's good, no, because I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the show, so it's it's weird. I've had you, uh, you've accompanied me, accompanied me on a few deadlines. You know, you've uh, you've brought in a few a few issues for me. So uh, <laughs> this is great. This is great. You guys have got lots of questions to ask you about my comic that's coming
2: out soon. Uh, great, but <laughs> I think we're supposed to ask the questions <sighs> here. But uh, let's start. But- again. We'll be we'll be looking for our credit on all the issues of sins of the records, right? Oh, I'll so be we're, looking we're...
1: for credit for myself on those. So let's <laughs> <laughs> me first, boys, and then we'll uh, <laughs> we'll negotiate.
2: All right. Well, let let's get right into it. So before we get to sins of the records, we do want to know a little bit a uh, little bit more about you. So uh, was there a certain point in your life that you can look back on and say that was the point I chose to become an artist?
1: Jeepers. Um no i don't, I don't. no I don't, I don't think so i think because it was quite organic i was always drawing and i was always drawing stories i never mm-hmm. just kind of wanted to draw a picture of my house with the square windows in the corners or you know like on oh, a picture of a nice train or uh, a picture of roadkill it was always like i wanted to draw something that kind of told a story so um I, yeah so i i no i think i was just always into it. I, I won an art competition when i was four uh because one of the Boys in my class was in hospital, and I had to do a painting of him. And somehow that got entered into the art competition. And it was what you imagine a four-year-old drawing painting would it look like. It wasn't like an evocative sort of, uh, you know, World War One esque sort of picture of a a dying soldier or anything like that, with kind of uh, beatific light streaming through the windows. You know, m- making us question all our mortality. It was just you know <laughs> a blue and red painting of a face. But because I think I liked. I liked, I liked winning in conjunction. I liked the attention that drawing gave me. So I think that, you know, the lofty ideals of like, oh, I like to tell a story. Yeah, but I like the attention as well. That drawing gets me. So I think, <laughs> I think that might be the closest thing I can kind of get to pinpointing the feeling of oh, I like this. Let's, let's do more of it.
2: So you became an artist uh, because you're a narcissist.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's let's get straight into it. This is this <laughs> god. This is really like the WTF of Transformers podcast. You you full on marred me straight away. You guys. When are we going to start talking about my relationship with my dad? Uh, well, you said you only had an
2: hour, so th- those questions. Yeah, good point. Kind of good point. Good point.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 save that for the Christmas episode, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, how did you break into the comics industry? was,
1: was your first paid work on Transformers? uh yes it was uh yeah it was i um i've been trying to sort of get in for a few years kind of seriously around the the turn of the century um and that was around the time that I had dreamwave i was trying to get in various other comics so i was sending off samples to dc and marvel and then dreamwave got the uh, the license to transformers i sent them off samples but dreamwave as we remember they had a quite a tight house style and They weren't really kind of um, not in the same way that IDW are now. They weren't really open to experimentation and uh, different interpretations of the characters. And anyone who's seen my stuff knows that I kind of draw my way and not really anyone else's (laughs) way for good or for ill. And so, yeah, so nothing was kind of getting by the the Dreamwave guys. And um, so I wasn't really getting any comics work. Uh, And I had initially planned to train as an animator in my teens and had Decided against it. And come 2004, 2005, I decided, no, I'm going to try and put together a portfolio to go to animation college. This comic thing doesn't seem to be working out. So the summer of 2005, I got accepted into animation college. But it was also the summer that IDW acquired the license to Transformers. And a friend of mine uh, called Dave Hendrick, who's an amazing writer, who's had a work published this year in Ireland about an Irish pirate queen called Granny whale. And uh, anyway, his name is Dave Hendrick. He's really good. Google him. He's brilliant. If you're looking for kind of Irish pirate comics, he's the man to go to at the moment. But uh, he and I were going to do a creator owned series based on like the Irish Ireland gangland scene. And, um, yeah, we were just about to set, set, set sail on, on that venture. I had done all the character designs. He, his script was ready. And like a good friend, he passed on my art portfolio to a guy he knew who worked with IDW called Bo Smith, who passed it on to Chris Ryle. And within the same afternoon, Chris Ryle had gotten in touch with me to ask me to start doing some work for Transformers. So... Which means I never got to do the work with my friend Dave, and hopefully we'll get to do something together, even if it's just covers or a short story with him at some stage. Because I owe him, I owe him loads, but uh, <laughs> that's that's kind of how I kind of got into Transformers. So I started off doing the letters column artwork of Chris Royal as Chris Charger, the uh, the, uh, the the kind of the yeah it's his he was driving a red kind of Honda at the time, which is what the final text wind charger figure turned into so he had me draw him as that wind charger figure and that was kind of my first work that led to covers that led to interiors on the spotlight shockwave which led me to write spotlight cup and so on and so forth
2: the rest is history
1: the rest is ancient history now it's 10 <laughs> effing years ago i can't believe it's 10 10 years ago last week since transformers infiltration issue zero came out and that had my first artwork for them and it had a picture of chris ryle as chris charger in it so i've been there since issue zero which is kind of mad to think i think i might be one of the only kind of guys working on transformers now that was kind of there at the very beginning of idw which is i don't know if that's a good thing or a really terrible thing <laughs> <laughs> it's it's loyalty in one direction and i'm not sure which so it's <laughs> well
2: we're we're very happy with the results i i've as a reader, I've been there since issue zero too, so it's been it's been great to. You know,
1: I, I wasn't sure if you if you were, I couldn't remember what the the setup with you guys were because as Transformers fans, we're not always going to be into, we're not always going to be at sort of ground zero of each iteration every time, you know. Like, right. and, and the good thing is we can always go back to it, you know. So it's it's like there's been so many TV shows over the years and video games that I've kind of missed out on, and I mean missed out on. I know it's my loss not to catch them, so like I never really saw Transformers Prime, but I really got into robots in disguise this year you know so it's kind of mm-hmm. it's, it, it's it's always something there for us so yeah so it wasn't clear over kind of i couldn't remember which one of you guys were maybe not as into the comics or had been there since the start of idw like or which way around it was but yeah there you go issue zero 10 years 10 years of our lives charles <laughs> yes <laughs> and i'm i'm hoping 10 more at least <laughs> yeah well yeah it's, it's kind of mental to think that you know, because because time expands as or or contracts the older we get, so it kind of feels like IDW have only had the license a wet weekend, but they've had it longer than anyone, you know, and continuous publishing mm-hmm. and issues published, and yeah, it's, it's you know I, I think even in terms of page count, I think John and yeah, James think, must be getting up there against Furman now, you know. So I think combined,
0: they've they've surpassed the Marvel US run by now.
1: Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it?
0: mm-hmm yeah i mean they're they're both nearing 50 on on their books
1: i guess yeah of course yeah 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 but i but i was just i was trying to sort of because i've i mean james would have the the numbers in his head wouldn't he but i i can't yeah. remember like how many pages i suppose he's still a way off simon i guess james is because i know james what's yeah, so, so, the uk stuff yeah yeah which which the only thing i count for god's sake <laughs> <laughs> separatist yeah it's uh it's um yeah no of course i think he probably has a way off but it's but it's I mean, both those titles are—it's the closest we've had to like singular vision in 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 comics, really, for a sustained period of time. And it's—it's it's not even rare in Transformers comics; it's rare in comics, full stop. There's not, you know, I, I think the only thing I, comic I can kind of think of with the same creative team that's kind of hitting the same numbers that those guys are at the moment is probably um, the Batman at the moment. You know, the the Snyder Capullo mm-hmm. Batman series. I mean, there must be other ones, kind of in in in, in the big two, or even in an image i mean it's eric larson with savage dragon obviously and but yeah i mean it's it's a rare feat in the, this day and age for a writer to be on a title that long so and especially um, with the,
0: the tendency of companies to just reboot everything like dc yeah yeah
1: yeah, yeah. and and even you know hasbro could totally it, it's clear that there's there's fans at hasbro of transformers first and then the comics as well you know quite rightly that they're there's no kind of there's been you know it's been a bit of turnover in hasbro over the last 10 years and there's been no real kind of new broom i mean there has been a couple of times but i mean we've had four years nearly sustained um you know of the, the same titles the same kind of storyline the same vision on, on on both those those flagship titles so it's it's kind of it's just just lucky that you know hasbro kind of see the value in it that the fans do mm-hmm. i've said so, enough good things about those guys now right i'm <laughs> Okay. Yeah, we're me. here to talk about you. That's me off script there <laughs> for the rest of it. Good, okay.
2: So uh, what is your process for drawing? Do you, do you Are you old school pencil and paper, or do you do digital?
1: Yeah, I really am uh, old school. It's um, Yeah, I, I, I've i done a bit of digital. I think the, the first issue of More Than PCI was done digitally, and I kind of like it because it kind of lent itself well to a kind of looseness and a kind of bounciness that those – characters kind of engender i think uh but but i i don't think i could kind of draw that kind of loosely or cartoony for records records sort of seems to demand a kind of a bit more kind of grit and detail and uh grime and yeah there's there's but but no yeah in in general I, i draw the way i draw is this i kind of i draw on like the crappiest paper i can i pencil on the crappiest paper i can because it gives me permission to draw which it's just ridiculously kind of this mental sort of bridle I've built for myself that I can't seem to shake off. But, um, yeah, if I draw on nice paper, I I can't relax, but if I draw on really crap, You don't want to waste the nice paper. Yeah, it's exactly it. It's like I'm kind of still that po' boy who kind of can't afford decent paper. (laughs) Oh, I can, damn it. IDW pay me a living wage. And, um, yeah, so I just draw on this like kind of crappy kind of cartridge paper, uh, and usually less than the size then I end up inking it. So yeah, I pencil on like sort of kind of rubbish paper. Uh, I scan that in and using Photoshop, I turn it to convert it to blue line. Then I print that out on the higher spec paper, the Bristol board, and then I ink on that. And then I scan that. So it's probably making sort of work for myself, but I kind of, um, no, there's it, it, it less erasing as well. I really hate the whole, you know, if you draw a page, you've got to sort of spend a good part of an hour kind of like rubbing out all the pencil lines. And a lot of the time, you're taking up the ink that you've put on, you know, because you're using mixed media a lot of the time. You're not using necessarily the same brands of ink and pen and brush all over the place. So some lines will stay on the page after you've rubbed the pencils away, and then other lines you've got to go back and redraw. And it's just a pain in the slot, you know. So mm-hmm. I have to, um, yeah. I, so I just put it kind of there, yeah, just draw crap paper, scan that in, print that blue line, uh, ink that, and then scan that in. And then that also means that I when I'm selling original artwork, I can sell the finished images and I kind of get to keep the kind of crappy rough ones for myself and that's kind of like my my tradesman's copy of the uh, of the work then.
3: Yeah. Mhm.
1: So
2: you're the, you're the rare uh I'll say rare comics artist who does writing and and art. So I'm curious what your writing process is and how you integrate it with the drawing. So do you do like a full script and then draw from that? Or do you like, do do you do a general
1: outline? Do you storyboard things? How do you, of, how do you do that? Yeah, I kind of do both kind of at the same time, less full script as I go on. And as I sort of realized that, um, and the editors have made me aware, no, look, we trust you. You're the artist. You can do this. The, the The script to Spotlight Cup was, you know, it's a 22 page comic and it would have been like close to 50 pages probably because I was with all the, the stage directions and panel descriptions. I was really trying to convince the editorial IDW, Look, I know what I'm doing. Whereas, obviously, if I'd written less, that would have shown them that I actually did know what I was doing. But, um, but no, uh, any anything I've written, I've kind of drawn, kind of really scribbly thumbnail as I've kind of gone along. Um, so it's quite easy to refer back to them when I need to go to the finished artwork. Um, a lot of the time with records, with synthesis records, I've, I would have drawn like really simple, like stick figure. I'm even looking at kind of pages here now where. I kind of drew out the action and then that's kind of a good thing because then it kind of tells you how much room you have for the dialogue, you know, and kind of uh, where it's going to fit and the sort of space you're going to require. But then there's some parts of the story where the dialogue is the most important part, you know, where it's you're, you're, you're conveying the character's motivation or it's, it's the big kind of like plot twist or it's the, the one flashback scene that sort of kind of, um, the whole story, the whole five issue series hangs on, and it's so the words are the most important there. So then you're kind of you're you probably are going to write that out full script longhand first and then reverse engineer your um your kind of your artwork that way. But it's yeah, it's a weird, weird mixture of both. But it, it just is so much help being the guy to to when you, you know when you're writing it, knowing that you're the one drawing it because you can kind of you know leave a little bit of sort of room either way. But um, I, I'm, I'm so dazzled by Tom Scioli's I can never Scioli yeah the guy.
2: Scioli I think oh, yeah. my
1: word his 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 stuff is just insane just he's he's just I mean I think John Barber is is kind of actually not writing it at the moment isn't he I think it is just Scioli's comic I think as of maybe the next issue I think it's just Scioli's name credited on the thing and just the effort he goes I mean I'd I'd love to know what his process is because it just seems to be that his writing brain and his drawing brain are kind of tethered Perfectly. It's just a, a complete perfect synergy there. And because he's coloring it all as well, it's just, you know, he's just spilling out of what would, I guess, pass for the man's brain, but it's clearly something else. There's something extraterrestrial there that, <laughs> that we don't have. It's, it's of like a, an ancient alien sort of mind. That, that, that it's, that he's harnessing to sort of send that out. So it's, it's not quite that, but it, it's, but with me, yeah, it, it's, it's a bit of a bit of half and half.
3: Okay. I want to jump in oh, here. Do you, can you uh, do you appreciate what Scioli's putting on the page there? Because our our podcast is divided on yeah, the uh, uh, on the Transformers GI Joe book, uh, and I can I can see yeah. why.
1: Yeah, uh, but yeah, I can. But I think, oh, when I was sounding like an absolute wanker. I, th- I, think <laughs> I think it's I think it's I think it is as an artist, uh, you can kind of appreciate it, and not because it's like only I get it, but you can. But I can also sort of see why you don't get it like to be honest it's not my favorite transformers title out there but it's not i but i'm still on the fucking floor with the uh with the effort that's gone into do you know like and, and how we I, I i don't know how he's doing it and that that's so I, i'm i'm kind of I, I kind of buy it to sort of try and figure out how the magic trick works as opposed to the story of gi joe and transformers if that makes sense i'm kind of trying to figure out how the sausage is made as opposed right. to so I, I, I as a process junkie is probably where i'm reading it also i'm not a gi joe fan so mm-hmm. it, it's kind of it's lost me there but i i can see it's um i can sort of see how i've i've got friends who would consider themselves big comics fans but they they can't get on with like jack kirby for example they just see him as you know it's like caveman drawings you know and and right. it isn't it isn't that it's it's a different it's just a different way of doing it it's an expressionist energetic dynamic way where the it's it's kind of about the um kind of it's it's a lot to do with kind of the composition first isn't it And it's a lot to do with um kind of the the visceral and the emotion of it as opposed to kind of finely honing things but but uh, but it's clear that she only knows his stuff it's he's just making choices i think on the page mm-hmm. that that suit him uh, so that's I don't I don't want that to even sort of sound like it's kind of all political or I'm trying to sort of kind of that's I think that's genuinely how I feel about it. But 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 I I, I but I do get I don't, I'm not looking for a show of hands of who who doesn't dig it and who doesn't. But I do. I wouldn't blame anyone maybe for not it not being their bag. You know. Yeah.
3: It it, but, it but, is for me. It is the art. It just I cannot get past the art. And that basically that for me personally when I read a book. I I can get past any kind of bad writing. If the art is glorious um, writing, it's for me personally, writing is secondary to the art. If the art is atrocious, I cannot flip the pages. It, I, I just can't get through the book.
1: That's really interesting.
3: Yeah. It's the, you know, for me, skewley's art, it just, it, it doesn't do anything for me. I can't, it seems like something I would have done in grade school myself. Right. And, and I, I don't want to insult him. He's no, no, he's, no, he's no, putting no, a no. lot on there. It just it doesn't it's not it doesn't look like it's matured uh, as far as comic book art would have come. And this is from experiencing your art, Alex's art, Griffin's art, right? This is their their stuff and your stuff are 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 beautiful, immaculate pieces. And 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 the stuff that I'm seeing in Transformers versus GI Joe just seems so elementary by comparison. And, and and that's you know for me. I I that that's where I just I can't get past the art and look into the 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 story of it.
1: You are of course correct to single out myself and Alex and uh, Andrew as, <laughs> but uh, but yeah no it, it's just, because this is genuinely interesting conversation and I love I want to get my teeth into this because it's it, it's not an argument as much as I'm trying to convince you otherwise. It, this is this is the way I look at it. Is right. as I say it, it's it's choices he's making. I think that yeah, I think if you. It, do, it does have a sort of a primitive execution to it. It's It's got a right. kind of a rough look to it, but I genuinely think it is designed to... And I mean, this is... A, it's opinion, isn't it? And it's art and it's subjective and stuff. So just because I feel this way, I'm not trying to convince you. Those mm-hmm. ways. But the way I see it is that those... He's choosing to present that artwork that way to try and invoke that level of childishness, I think, and right. that childlike energy. And, you know... Th- back in, you know, even as far as the eighties, but definitely 60s, 70s art the comic art wasn't as detailed and it was a lot more sort of like slapped dashed out. Do you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. um, but as with that stuff and that's so, all, yeah, the reason why I bring that up is because it's maybe it's supposed to try and, uh, kind of create a kind of a faux nostalgia in you for the, the comics of, if you can, of, of your youth. So if you go into this with a kind of the mind of a, uh, of a younger reader, then you'll sort of get more out of it because it's, it is essentially two toy ranges fighting each other, you know, it's, but mm-hmm. with more psychedelia. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know that. I don't, and the thing is, I don't know, um, Tom Scioli on a, a personal level at all, the same way as I do like, you know, Alex and Andrew and all the other guys that we haven't, we would re- retweet each other a couple of times, but we mm-hmm. we don't, you know, we don't have that sort of back and forth. So I, I so I'm not kind of defending him from a, like, or, you know, expressing admiration from him out of like hey he's my guy he's my buddy you know it's mm-hmm. uh that, that's, it's mutual so that, that's respect yeah yeah it's genuinely mutual respect. Uh, respect i but i i look at it too because i've heard a lot of people say that and the times i've looked at it given a curse, cursory look and i've gone yeah god it looks kind of quite sort of childish and quite sort of but then you'll you'll see he'll do something with kind of foreshortening with limbs with on, on the human figures especially and it's um it's like no he he knows he kind of knows what he's at and and so it's the weird thing you know i guess it's like a it's like a kind of like a punk musician i guess it's kind of but a punk musician who can probably play like joe satriani but chooses to play three chords because mm-hmm. those three chords kind of are what grabs you in your gut you know mm-hmm. but they're not going to grab everyone in their gut that that's look i think that that's kind of how i look at it i think okay
3: well it's uh, interesting hearing about it coming from you because you're you're seeing things in it that the majority of readers aren't seeing right you're looking at it as an through an art artist's yeah, eye possibly
1: yeah right? it's yeah possibly but, mm-hmm. but it's interesting you sort of saying that then about because one of my favorite comics is um sandman uh because uh, yeah i'm mm-hmm. so edgy i mean it's not it's everyone's favorite comic <laughs> It was once upon a time. but yeah but the uh so the first arc of that they were really really finding their feet with the artists at the time so it's written by Neil Gaiman, who's Neil Gaiman, and you know right. Right, he knows what he's doing, right, writes so confidently, and writes, you know, it's pulling all these like esoteric sort of references, and it's just creating stuff that maybe hasn't been seen in the comics page before. But there's some really kind of wonky art in those first, and so I just wonder then, you know, if if you were to read that, chances are, I don't know if you have read that or not, you know, but chances are you might not kind of give it a shot, and so it's it's weird then because, uh, you know, the, the right as good as the writing is, the art is is what you go for. And I completely get that because, you know, I, it's equally valid for you to say, how can you pick up, read it? X comic Nick, because X mm-hmm. comics art sucks. That's, it's equally right. valid, you know? So, and I'm probably missing out on a, a, a comic, mm-hmm. you, know, the, the, or, you know, yeah. Yeah. Or sorry. The, the, the Writing wise. I mean, you know, yeah. I don't know if I've lost my analogy there, but hopefully <laughs> you can, um, <laughs> you can edit this together. So I sound like the effing genius that I'm trying to portray on TV. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny, I, I, could, I, oh, let's, let's, let's all hang out in a bar somewhere and just talk about this stuff all night. This is, uh,
0: we this should, genuinely,
1: yeah, no, really, I, I, I'd, I'd love to do it. And it's, 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 kind of interesting to talk. I don't get to talk about transformer stuff as a fan much anymore because you're kind of, uh, you know, you don't want to sort of upset people too much. I mean, there's some bits I do like about the comics and the cartoons and the toys and stuff, but you know, you, you're never, you're only really a few degrees. Uh, Separate you from the guy who kind of is responsible for it you know so you know you don't want to you don't want to sort of kind of uh say say too much that, that people could take up the wrong way but uh yeah interesting stuff
2: well at, at the risk of going to another uh, interesting topic <laughs> um but as as a person in the comics industry what do you think about the shift uh, from physical to digital comics or do you see that trend continuing in the next five to ten years in the comic industry?
1: It's gonna have to. I I I think it seems to I mean, there's I I don't have any sort of amazing insight or 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 wisdom soaked kind of um predictions for it. I'm a I am you know, I have to admit as well, I'm I'm not a digital guy. I I've only I only recently got a smartphone. Uh, I do use a Kindle or whatever, but I'm never kind of. I just I'm just a luddite when it comes to comics. I just want them in their papery, papery goodness. And as such, I'm way behind on everything because I haven't been to my comic shop in the last two months. So you know, I'm missing out on a, on, a, on a great deal. So I kind of talking about the digital revolution seems slightly kind of disingenuous because <laughs> I don't know. Is there one? But it's a. Uh, but but from what I understand, it's um, they don't. Um, they don't. They don't kind of tend to count the, the sales digitally for the overall kind of comic sales. It would appear, un, un, unless yeah, they you do
0: those numbers. Yeah, that's yeah. what it
1: is. Yeah, which is a shame because I mean you can see with something like more than ECI that it's uh, it's it's got a di- very digital savvy fan base. You know mm-hmm. that it's uh, and it's got a strong sort of readership who will buy the paper copies as well. But I think for um, it seems to have a lot of um, kind of fans sort of spread out across the world and in japan in particular who's i guess only access to it is it's uh it's kind of digital uh format so yeah. um so i mean it is a good thing uh the, <laughs> from what i'm hearing is that a lot of people use digital as kind of a try before you buy or they'll buy the singles digitally and then kind of you know shell out for a hard copy um I mean, especially comics fans seem to still respond to the tactility and to kind of You know, you can sort of zoom in on a screen and, you know, you can go in as far as resolution allows you, but nothing really beats the kind of resolution that your own retina will give you, you know? And so if you've got a comic in front of you, you know, it's pressing your nose up against it to kind of catch all those, uh, you know, criminal details that Alex Milne is sharting into every corner that he can (laughs) and just showing up the rest of us. Um, You know, like, I think nothing really kind of beats that. And I know a few... There seems to be a lot more comic shops opening. I know. I seem to know quite a few people. And not even that comic shops are doing well. The comic shops that are, that do exist, um, kind of locally here in Dublin, uh, all of them are doing really well. And a lot of them are kind of expanding to larger premises and better locations. And so, you know, it's uh, there's something about kind of paper comics and comic shops. I think are always going to be the um the kind of fly paper that kind of catches casual fan or you know the Mm -hmm. people who are the lapsed fan or uh or the young fan i think you know it's it's it kind of you bring a kid kind of uh, you know in front of a a window forbidden planet or something like that then it's going to be hard you're not you're not going to win the fight of not getting them to go in and then you're probably going to lose the fight once they're in there of of picking up something you know and hopefully it's not a a pop funko one of the most culturally bankrupt devices known to man so it's (laughs) sorry guys I mean, you're all big pop funko guys i can tell i'm so sorry i said the wrong thing what <laughs> it's, but I, I, they're called pop funko's aren't they what funko pops what are they called funko's you know those little oh, Yeah, those little yeah uh, but they, they're all the PVC same figures yeah but they're all the same yeah. but they're all uh, the same okay. <laughs> <laughs> but one is colored like iron man so he's different
2: So I mean I guess uh, and and we have also the dark side of digital with the you know torrents and downloading where that some might also say they're doing a try before you buy but it's a it's a little bit less uh, less accepted. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, well, just that it's it's not good. I've I've got really close friends who 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 use it, and that that sounds like it's it's me. That sounds like I'm talking about myself. There, I'm not. Like I said, I don't do digital (laughs) legally or illegally. Really, and. and it's it's weird you know they'll rinse they'll rinse the torrents for you know the complete runs of comics and a lot of them are kind of they wouldn't always be big two comics they'll be indie comics you know and they'll come to me because oh yeah have you read this i'm like not nah, having a time man is it any good And i'm like yeah 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 it's good and i'm like how did you read it and i go i just yoinked it off the internet and i'm like that's that's but like you know you know that i work in that industry right you know it's like <laughs> you know it's it's yeah i mean it's it can't be really abided it's I don't know. I mean, there is, I have, I have done it with music and the instances of like try before you buy that sort of thing. Not even, not, not even try before you buy like specific bands that I know I'm going to buy the physical copy, but I don't, because again, I'm, I'm, I know I just sound like I'm a caveman or whatever, but I don't really use I, I don't use like iTunes or things like that. I'm kind of not really. um I sound like someone who hates all media, Jesus. But I uh, <laughs> so I, I I still I still enjoy buying like kind of hard copies of everything. So if a band maybe has a new single or whatever, and I kind of I kind of fancy it, but you know what? I haven't done that in a long time because streaming is the way to go with that now. Because no band releases something and doesn't stream it, so that that they've cottoned onto that. They know that people are going to do the try before you buy illegally. So yeah, no, yeah, I can't really I can't really sort of stand by it to be honest. It's it's a shame it's a shame when you Google like I've had to Google old issues of records for reference just when at times when maybe I haven't had the hard copy um beside me or whatever. So I I'll be kind of like looking up old issues uh for a cover maybe for a reference or something like that. And um so it'll say like last time of the records issue two. And then the next sort of search option is Last Standard Execution Two Torrent, and you're like, for God's sake, you know? So it's so it's it's kind of heartbreaking when you see that. And whatever bit of comic is five years old, it's kind of it happened like this year when we did the Monster Motors comic, you know? And you'd sort of Google Monster Motors to see who's talking about it, and you'd be like, oh, great, I can read it for free. <laughs> Thanks. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's just it's 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 sad. It is it is kind of hard. I think I'd probably be a little bit more. Um, I'm probably be even more passionate about it, i think if i was uh if it was like an indie custom con- monster motors it hurt more than transformers it's like monster motors was creator owned comics so then you can right. feel it is literally kind of money being taken from your mouth i guess you know so it's uh with transformers you're sort of like you, you know it's the, the, the money I've, I've been paid already i'm not getting paid anymore sort of thing i don't mean that in a sort of a screw you but it's it's uh yeah that's I hope that yeah, makes well- sense
2: well, actually, that, that leads into my next question, because that's one of the things that that we have noticed is that for artists and other media like, you know, books, TV, movies, music, they get even if they don't own the copyrights on whatever they produce, they get royalties and residuals yeah. for the work they produce. And my understanding is that in the comics world, usually the writers and artists don't get that unless no, it's
1: creator owned. That's not true. It's a uh, l- um, It's it's really just kind of licensed comics that you don't get your royalties on
2: oh okay so
1: i only did three comics for marvel so far and i'm still and they weren't big comics they're new warriors and revolutionary war Dead, set you know but mm-hmm. i still do quite well on the royalties of those and oh okay yeah and you don't get royalties in transformers Okay, but, but you know it's you 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 know that going in too you know, and it's it's a shame because I mean look you know it is what it is like I said and you 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 work on the title because it's the title you want to work on like I I desperately wanted right. to, wanted to do scenes of the records so that's why I'm doing scenes of the records I'm not doing it because of uh you know like I'm doing it because there there is a paycheck in it but I'm doing it because it's a story that I wanted to do desperately wanted to right. do and have done for a long time, um but uh yeah but but yeah you know going into it and so you know. If you think about it, records, say Last Stand of the Records, so that came out uh, singles, and then it came out as the trade paperback, and then it came out as the hardback, and then it was released digitally, or has been released digitally, and then they've released as those kind of black label kind of editions, you know, that mm-hmm. go for kind of like hundred dollars or nearabouts. And there's no royalties in that, you know. Yeah. So it's you know it's again we're all we're all there's no one there really is if you're working on Transformers you're working on Transformers because you want it there's no way you can draw or write something kind of that detailed and that kind of naughty uh without kind of being a huge fan of it so as i say there's none of us doing it exclusively for the paycheck but it it is a shame when you see something uh that you know like records i'm sure you know like for example like more than the ci2 where you know it has this life elsewhere you know it's a shame that you can't kind of but that's the way it is. It's not just transformers. I'm pretty, it's GI Joe. It's my little pony. I'm It's star Trek. It's doctor who, you know? So it's, it's, it's licensed comics. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's still a shame though, because I, I definitely think the writers and artists I, who they're making, they're making Hasbro's property more popular by the output that they're putting out there. And I definitely think they should be compensated for it, but you know, that's uh, just an opinion, but, uh,
1: yeah, and it's hard, it's hard I mean, for me to get too involved in this one. I think, because yeah. you know, I don't want to sort of throw anyone on the bus. And yeah. <laughs> no, and 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 also, I'm in no way ungrateful for because, like, I don't, you know, imagine I'm the guy who comes on the podcast to sell his comic, but sort of moans about you know his <laughs> right. his the business issues. No, it's it's not because it's not that at all. But I mean, yeah, I mean, look, everyone would like more, no matter what they're doing, you know. And so, understandably, those of us who work on licensed comics would would love to be it because, as you say. And it's not just you that have sort of kind of said that uh some of the writers and artists have added value to the the product it's you know we've we've heard that from Hasbro you know we we know people who work in Hasbro who say how much such a comic meant to them or you know what they're you know like it's and it's clear by the fact that they're making toys based on kind of designs that we do as well you know mm-hmm. so yeah also designs that we you know draw for free right. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah. So, so
2: let let us do a, a little deeper dive into Transformers. So, how did you first get into Transformers? So, you were you a kid back in the eighties picking up the comic in uh, in Dublin and and getting uh, all you know starting off with issue one there.
1: Well, there's a few corrections. There. I'm not. Fr- I live in Dublin, but I'm not from Dublin. Okay. I'm from. Okay. I'm from a place called Wexford, which is in the southeast of Ireland. If you imagine Ireland as a, a seated teddy bear facing off to the left, I come from the arse of said teddy bear. And okay. um, I'm proud of it. And I smell like it too, guys. And uh, there's there's actually a Wexford near
2: Pittsburgh, too. Of
1: course, there is. Really?
2: <laughs> yes.
1: That's mental. There you go. Uh, Pittsburgh is in Pennsylvania, isn't it?
2: Yes. 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 And my, Western part of Pennsylvania. Yes.
1: And my cousin is living in Pennsylvania. He's from Wexford. I wonder, is he trying to? Has he just gotten lost there? I don't know. Is, <laughs> um, uh, hi, Damien, you know, if you're listening, he won't be. um so no so yeah my first uh awareness of transformers was the um the the tv ads uh um it's just it's just this guy shouting saying transformers turn from robot to car and back again and i'm like what the fuck and (laughs) so i genuinely didn't believe that these toys would transform so you know so i assumed that when i saw them in toy shops you'd get like a, a blister pack or a box and there'd be a figure of Optimus prime or jazz or something like that and there would be a car that comes comes with it that you would have to pretend the robot turning you know like action masters so that's why so i, I never thought that transformers were even possible so that was my first kind of uh introduction to it was the tv ads and then it was the tv show it happened to be watching kids tv on the morning that more than I aired over in the uk um which i'm not sure i mean i think it was 1984 over here but i I'm not sure it could have been early 1985, but it's so nuts that I kind of, because I was never up early in the mornings, you know. So what the hell was I doing <laughs> the morning that uh, you know, like Bumblebee and Wheeljack were buying fluorescent lights, you know? So yeah.
2: And uh, that so that so when when did you when did you discover the comics after watching the show?
1: Not until like two years later. I was um, the first time I was picked up the comics was like Target 2006, which was like 1986 was when that was going on. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of, I knew guys in my class had Transformers comics, and then the only one I, the first one I read was the very first issue of Target 2006, which is sort of it is a prelude issue, which isn't the one I read, but the, I, I read part one of Target 2006, uh, which is issue 79, and it had Ultra Magnus and Galvatron on the front cover, and the first page is Cyclonus and Scourge splash page of them just tearing through the air. And it's the next page. Then it's got them. Galvatron is in pistol mode on Cyclonus's kind of a cockpit, and they're on their way to depose Megatron and Soundwave. And you know they arrive at, Meg- at the Decepticon base. They bury Megatron and Soundwave under all this rubble. And suddenly they're the you know they're in charge. ultramagnus is there on Earth looking for Optimus Prime. who's just disappeared. And um. Unless oh, that's the very end of the issue. No, that's what it is. Uh, yeah, at the very end of the issue, you, you, Emirates Zaron on Cybertron. You get to go to Cybertron. You get to see what's happening there. And you meet a character called Impactor. And uh, Impactor is talking about this new warrior called Ultra Magnus. And that was my first comic that I read. And it had Ultramagnus Galvatron and Impactor. You know, and it's like, mm-hmm. so they're, they're my guys. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> they're right, more, than, right. more than Prime and Megatron ever will be. Like the, the Transformers, the movie guys, and the UK comics guys. Are, so that was it. And Years later, when I went to my first Transformers convention in 1999 in the UK, I was there. Went as a fan, obviously, and they had an art competition. And was, the reason I went is because Simon Furman was going to be at it, and he, you know, he'd only really started to do, um, you know, kind of public appearances. I think nostalgia was only really starting to kick in, and he, real, there was, you know, realization that people would actually want to listen to you talk about the comic that you worked on, you know, ten, fifteen years ago, sort of thing. So uh, he was judging an art competition. And I entered the art competition, and I drew. Um, I was the battlefield with Ratchet kind of holding the hand of a Wild Rider who had been shot down in battle. And it was basically sort of showing the compassionate side of Ratchet. I really must dig it out sometime. But anyway, um, Simon was the judge of the competition, and he picked mine out as the overall winner. And I got to win uh, an original piece of artwork from the very first issue of Transformers that I owned. So I own a page from issue 79 of Transformers that was given given to me as a prize by Simon Furman on the first time I met him. So, yeah. So it's kind of, it kind of felt, it felt like, you know, it was all going the right direction, you know, from the start, to be honest. I, whatever, whatever, I mean, I know it sounds like, sort of like, oh, let's, why don't you just make up your own origin story, Nick? But, you know, like all I, all I ever wanted to do was draw Transformers and all I ever wanted to do was work with Simon Furman. And so even at that age, at 19, to kind of get that weird sort of like universal aligning sort of thing of, you know, pat on the head from him and he handed, you know, I get to win that, that page and the page I got was the second page, which, which has got Cyclone Scourge and Galvatron sort of, you know, traveling toward to, to, to meet Megatron, you know? So it's, uh, yeah. So that, that was it. So yeah, that, that was, I was hooked from there on in basically, you know? So that's, um, and, and as I say, it's, uh, Target 2006 is the UK story that ties in with, um, Transformers the movie. So it was all about, you know, uh, you know, it was all about hot rod and Cup and blur and Cyclonus the scourge and Springer was in it, and it ends with you know the records are a big part of Target two thousand six. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 all been it's all been leading to to this series, I think. Feels like it, you know. So yeah, better not screw it up too late. <laughs> did, well, you ever, mean, I, did you ever did you ever remind
3: uh, Simon about uh, you know meeting him when you were nineteen? Or yeah, you- I
1: have done. Yeah, and I I, I dug out. I am I must see if I can. Find it to, to send to you guys to accompany with the uh, with the uh, the podcast, maybe. But yeah, I, I found a picture last year of he and I, kind of like he shaking my head I'd queued to meet him or whatever you know. So I've just got like ridiculously lank, straight hair to my shoulders, and I'm wearing my um, my episode one uh, long sleeve uh, black sweatshirt because it was 1999, you know. So I'm wearing my Phantom Menace <laughs> apparel and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I reminded him, I'm like, yeah, he's 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 you know, and it gets get to the stage now, like where I kind of talk to him about kind of being a fan, age sort of six and seven, and he's just like, stop reminding me what age you are, you know. So he's just, <laughs> it's, it's so. I mean, I I remember watching Saturday morning TV when I was a kid, and in 1987, and they Simon Furman was on it. Simon Furman was they was a guest is because the Marvel UK comic, Transformers comic, was getting huge numbers at the time. And so they had them on to sort of like talk about the next sort of uh, stage of the Galvatron saga. So he was on with um, some artwork featuring Rodimus Prime and uh, it's from issue 114, I think. So it's, yeah, the, the, the issue after Death Head had been introduced. So it's just, and I, I remind him of that. And so he's still weirded out by the fact that I was sitting at home in my pajamas, you know, sort of scratching myself <laughs> while he was coming on pimping like this. And, and you know, the interview would have ended. It goes, goes, oh, thanks, Simon. The new comic is out. And now let's go to the studio with Swing Out Sister.
2: <laughs> Singing Breakout or
1: something, you know? So, yeah.
2: Does that video exist anywhere yeah, online? I've, I've
1: looked for it online. I've looked for it so hard online. And it, I don't think it, it no it has appeared yet, but he has a a video a vhs of it, and he knows where it is and he knows where the body's buried but you know the other thing <laughs> about it i remember as well is that it had they had like toys out for you know they had like, all the toys that were available to that point it seemed to be like on the kind of the uh the studio desk you know where the guests were kind of idly playing with it while they were chatting on a panel you know and i'm pretty sure in my mind's eye Triptychon was there trypticon was never available over here you see and mm. i remember just going what the how can I I you know desperately trying to figure if I write to them will they give that to me you know this weird sense of entitlement thinking but you know I I like Transformers more than anyone you know and I can't get that toy so surely they'll you know admire my chutzpah and uh, send it to me but I I never did and so they never did but it's uh yeah so it's it's the toys and 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 seeing the uncolored artwork is kind of what what sticks out for me there so so yeah I mean I've been shadowing that man for you know nearly 30 years now you know I'll eventually I'll eventually Sort of, uh, yeah, (laughs) kind of use his spine as a toast rack.
2: Become the new Simon Furman. Oh, if
1: only. I just want to be the old Simon. Jesus. I'm I'm trying to write, well, i finished writing The Sins of the Records, but the thing is about the way I write and the way James writes as well, we we like lots and lots of words. And you read a Simon Furman script, and and he, he can do it in like a fifth of the dialogue you know and you still feel like you've had a nourishing meal it's it's kind of nuts like he just did and, and he writes he writes for artists as well he writes so sparsely and even his dialogue descriptions or his panel descriptions are so like you know prime punches galvatron sort of thing so it's completely up to interpretation whereas james is very detailed in how he wants it composed and i'm kind of anal like that even with myself i kind of write ridiculously detailed stuff and, and then
0: Charles and I have bought some of James scripts and yeah, they're pretty thick.
1: They really are. And it's, um, I don't know if you've bought issue six of more than meets the eye. Have you, did you pick it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Imagine mm. knowing that you've got to draw 22 pages, but the script is 60 effing pages. <laughs> oh, James, <laughs> but it was worth it. That's the thing. It's worth it with James. Cause you know, like even still like issue six is kind of like, you know, it feels like 50 years ago and, still it kind of comes quite high in people's favorite more than eci issues and stuff. So I'm kind of glad that he asked me back for that one, you know. But it, the funny thing is I was rereading Last Stand of The Records, I felt it was the least I could do before I wrote the sequel. And <laughs> it's um it's really kind of compared to the way James and I write, it's really sparsely written because we were writing together and we really paired each other down and we edited each other to hell. You know, we were like sort of like no we don't need it. We were really sort of ruthless with it, you know, and basically telling each other, "We don't need it. We can do without that," you know. And you know, we wouldn't. We just managed to get it down to the bare bones, or as bare bones as he and I could possibly ever get it, you know. So when we don't write together, we kind of we our characters talk a lot more, you know. It's just interesting to to notice mm-hmm. that, you know, it's not just a oh, it's it's a James trait, or it's a it's a my trait. It's it's both of us. We both have the sickness. <laughs>
2: Well, um, can you tell me a little bit about, uh, or tell us—I should say me—because lots of I'll people tell, should be I'll listening. I'll tell you, Charles, I'll
1: tell you. You won't tell anyone else, freeloaders. <laughs>
2: um, about uh, the the group, the fan group Transmasters UK, and then and how you came to meet
1: James Roberts. Transmasters had nothing to do with um, Transformers. It was just a a little fetish club that James and I. No, it's um, <laughs> it it was yeah. So it was um. When the UK Generation Two comic ended, they in '94, I guess they had a little kind of a blurb in the back of it, uh, basically saying, "Come one, come all. We're doing like we're going to continue Generation Two in, in in a fanzine form, and here's a a, a post office number, or wasn't the, the post office was the guy's house. A guy called Matt Dallas was running it. And he was kind of, a, it was, you know, you could write off to it and you could read what fans were going to continue the story. James had been a member of this fan club before then, I think. I think he had sort of maybe picked up fandom after the US Generation 2 comic read. I think he might have kind of made some fanzine connections there. So, But I, I, I kind of um, sent off for all these comics. And, you know, his mail order it was all pen pal-based sort of shenanigans. And so he's his stuff, There was lo, there was lots of genuinely good writing going on, but his stuff kind of as you can imagine sort of stood out you know and again because he wrote them as kind of characters you know there are lots of lot, the, the, the thing about it the great thing about it back then is there's lots of interpretation of transformers and there was one writer called martin mcveigh who was very good at um kind of exploring the alienness and the other of transformers and the fact that they were robots and you know he when he drew them he cause he drew as well this martin guy he he, he didn't always he'd used like the toy kind of uh, designs so to make them even more alien so especially with ratchet and Ironhide, they look really kind of you know like alien robots you know so uh so there's lots of that, that was one of the one of the upsides of it. so yes james's stuff yeah just james just ridiculous just loved his stuff straight away and he's been kind enough to sort of say that when he saw artwork from myself and uh kind of jack lawrence was a another fan artist who's gone on to be a pro artist as well in the u.s kind of industry uh he sort of saw us and he was sort of like oh right well you know it's shit just got real, you know, <laughs> like kind of that. He kind of felt that, <laughs> that the art kind of like leveled up a little bit or that it was artists who were kind of had an eye on doing it professionally who kind of got involved, which is obviously kind of in the say, but we, we never, we never worked together was the thing. We kind of, we were about to, cause it was all a shared universe, you know, it was all continuing on the Marvel generation Two universe and we were due to work together. And then the weird thing is with fandoms is they're always at their kind of most uh, potent when the official merchandise the official kind of output is um is quiet and so it was really this fanzine s- scene was really strong in the mid to late 90s but then when dreamwave came along you know you could get sort of professionally rendered written and drawn transformers comics you know more than once a month really you know so uh kind of the the fan output kind of tended to dwindle so he and I never really got to work together but it's so interesting that you, it's it's you never you know, the golden rule is you never never throw away an idea, and I, I see stuff I, I see stuff in more than eye that um, are little, cur- the kernels of which were in early stories that never got printed in the fanzines, do you know what I mean? Like, really, like, even even the Lost Light the kind of, the idea of a kind of ship kind of crewed by a team of Autobots on a mission, that, that was, that takes a lot of its basis in an, an idea that James had going, kind of going back sort of 15, 20 years now, you know, and he's finally getting to realize it, you know, and please, I don't think anyone will think that I'm sort of like downplaying James's achievement there. I'm, I'm definitely not. It's just, it's just so interesting to sort of see, um, kind of see that kind of come to fruition. So the, the first time I met James was at, in 2001 at a Transformers convention in the UK, he was publishing new Genesis and this fan novel that he'd been working on for years and years and years. And James is a guy with a full, has always had a full-time job. Not like me. I was professionally unemployed for a while while I was doing the artist <laughs> thing, you know, and he was, he's a, he's a little bit kind of older than me and kind of, he had like, you know, had a, had a missus and, you know, had a child, you know, and I didn't, I didn't have any of these things and he still managed to, you know, crap out a novel, you know? And so, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I met this dashing sort of kind of English guy that you'd find from central casting, you know, sort of like, I'm bumbling into this, kind of church hall or whatever it was with a suitcase full of this beautifully designed, beautifully produced novel that he'd kind of, you know, knocked together this 500 page opus. And, uh, yeah. So that was kind of, we knew who each other were from like speaking kind of like online and stuff. At that stage we were all online, but, uh, yeah. So I just made sure I was kind of quite kind of high up in the queue because those books were flying fast. And so we just sort of stayed friends since. And, uh, the eugenesis was my beach reading that year when I was on holiday and it was, you know, I just didn't think that was possible with transformers, what he did with that, you know, and it's now it's old hat cause he does it every week, but it's, <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, it was really sort of like, it's like, Jesus, you, you know, you could do this, you know, you have permission to, to do this with transformers, you know? So it was, um, and you, the thing is you didn't officially, that was why it was so good because he didn't have Hasbro, kind of like breathing down his neck but now he does and he's, he's still sort of managing to to show them kind of how it's done i think but uh that that's how he and i met so i knew that kind of if i've been trying to get him work as, as best i could if he, i mean he was always going to end up where he ended up you know it's kind of but i it's you know I, I had doors open for me so i was you know keen to sort of open them for him as uh, whenever i could you know so i mm-hmm. i'm sort of it, it's baffled me that i wrote a transformers comic professionally before he did but again it's just doors being open it depends on the order they open you know so he's here now and he ain't going away
2: <laughs> well uh l- let's get into some sins of the wreckers talk because I'm bored of that. last in <laughs> well last in the wreckers is i i would say it's it's a high watermark it's a gold standard for transformers Ooh. comics writing people really enjoy that 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 uh miniseries and People really waiting for a follow up. You know what what's what happens to? I mean, in particular, Springer's been out there for a long for a long time. People have been wondering what's been what's happening to him and and the other characters. So how did how did you pitch Sins of the Wreckers and
1: and have you been planning it for a while? Yeah, it's it's really kind of been close to two years, and it's 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 even been close to two years since I submitted the outline. I was kind of basically told that I was trying to get work. Back into the writing of Transformers scene because they've been asking me a lot to kind of come back to drawing it you know and I'm like I felt like I'd kind of done it all and I, like I hadn't obviously but I I felt like I wasn't able to bring much new stuff to Transformers from that angle uh art wise and I wasn't maybe finding the satisfaction drawing them as I had been and the thing I mean you know, the last thing I wrote and drew was Spotlight Megatron and I just really loved it you know I just it's a you know really the thing that was missing was me kind of writing my own stories and so i've been trying to get writing work with them for a while and they sort of said well you know this is you know we need it needs to be in continuity and so, yeah well, you know like i can pitch something And they said but well, you know what what would get greenlit straight away was if you'd be willing to do a sequel to records and i'm like i don't know if i want to partially because it had been so well received you know it's it's uh you know, like why, why would I sort of, I know it's, you, everyone will always have sins of the records, but I mean, or I said last stand of the records, even a sins of the records sucks, but I don't, I don't want, I don't want the sins of the records to be the dark night strikes back to sit uh, last stand of the records, the dark Knight returns, you know, that sort of way, because yeah, I'm comparing it to dark Knight returns now for God's sake. So what's wrong with it? But yeah, you know, in mean, some sequels, they do kind of leave a bad taste in the mouth, you know, and there has to be the right reason for doing it and all this sort of stuff. So, when they sort of said they were looking for a sequel to Wreckers and also they said they were looking for a sequel to Wreckers but they were looking for a sequel to Wreckers for me they weren't they had had people trying to pitch Wreckers material before and they had told them blankly no that's James and Nick's stuff if they want to do something with these characters and that setup, that's theirs so John was really really good about keeping certain characters in their place for them in case I ever wanted to do something like you know Springer hasn't done anything in five years and it is because he wanted to sort of see, you know, what my take would be, or what James and my take would be on it. Had either of us decided to do it, um, so I, I knew I kind of had a green light, or at least the as close to a green light as I could get. And so I, uh, yeah, eventually sort of kind of drew and wrote an outline. And so that was, like I said, it was close to two years ago since I submitted it. And just the slate, the IDW comic slate, has just been so busy that it's kind of only kind of come up this year. You know that it's been greenlit. So when I kind of knew that there was a records kind of hole, I just tried to think what would you what you know where would you go next? So the thing about Sins of the records is that it is a direct sequel to Last Stand of the Records. You can still read Sins of the records without reading Last Stand of the Records, but it's you know it'd be like watching Empire Strikes Back without Star Wars. Again, I'm comparing myself to great great art. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna kill myself. This is terrible. But I, what I'm saying is that you know it's it's uh, uh, you know you, we, we I've tried to kind of invite and embrace new readers. Um, but you obviously it, it's more rewarding if you're familiar with the the, the previous story. So I, yeah, I try to come up with what would be what's a what's a conundrum for the wreckers and what where would they go? So I try to kind of think about what do the wreckers not like? You try and think of you know an adversary or an antagonist for them. And so my main sort of it really drew me to Prell, and I basically thought well they don't Prell doesn't really like them and they don't really like Prell so what trying what well, if
0: proud doesn't really like anybody well, yeah
1: exactly i know yeah <laughs> i figured i didn't need to waste my breath with that one yeah i figure as, as i gasped my last i'm like i didn't need to say that but you no, know, you're dead right it's true prouds prouds has got problems with everyone so and i figured you know why not put the records in a position where well you know you, you know you can't top Overlord. really it, it's going to be really hard to top overlord in garris nine and that setup of that that prison that kind of hellhole of a prison with that kind of Character like Overlord who's that strong? So it's basically like, well, what if the Wreckers had to rescue prowl and why would they want to? And so that's I kind of worked backwards from there. I kind of figure out, mm. you know, why would prowl or you know, pick your reasons why someone would want to kidnap prowl and then try and narrow it down to who out of all well, the many people would want to do that, and then you know, figure out how to get the Wreckers involved. You know, so it's um, and the Wreckers being involved, it's called sins of the Wreckers it's about kind of things that the wreckers have had, have done themselves in the past and have had done to them. You know Uh, it's not necessarily about here's a new team of wreckers, you know, it's uh, in the same way I, I, I could have gone that way. There was a draft of this story where I went, I recruited like a whole team of new wreckers and did the whole new recruits thing. And then I kind of realized that I could tell the exact same story without those characters. And if you can do that, if you tell a story and lose five characters, you, you should lose those five characters, you know? <laughs> and plus, you know, it means I could draw in half the time as well if I lose half the cast. So it's um, so it's a shame because I liked a lot of the characters and kind of a lot of the ideas I had for them, but it's it was a more economical way to do it. And it kind of sets it out then as a follow-on as opposed to trying to emulate the previous story of like, here's all your new characters. It's a new team, you know? So the characters that you kind of meet and send the records are kind of people... By and large, who have kind of this isn't their first rodeo, you know. So it's you know, there's characters like Hopcab and uh, Stakeout are involved, uh, but you know they're not. It, it's not to the same extent of like the greenness of Iron Fist. or you, you know kind of the people being kind of caught, you know, with kind of stage fright, the same way as Rotor storm was at some stages, you know, like and kind of yeah. So it's that that's kind of how I reverse engineered since the records. It's it's been there for close to two years and it's been written since. April I think it's been completely written since then, oh, so it's, okay. yeah, so it's just been kind of like I had other work to do then art wise after that, and so but for the last couple of months, I've been drawing it, so yeah so it's but it's all done that that's the thing it's all done this time it's- writing wise, so there's not gonna be I won't be able to discover any new wonderkind uh transformers writers to uh <laughs> to pull <pluck laughs> from obscurity and to sort of steal steal a job from under my nose, <laughs> so it's <laughs>
2: So do you, do you plan to kind of pick up on a lot of the plot threads from last Hands of the records? I mean, yeah, you, so you name it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, so basically, I mean, we have, we have Springer and I guess if, if you've read the, well, I mean, you guys know about the pro story. If, if listeners out there have read the pro stories at the back of the, the soft cover and the hard cover of records, uh, you know, Springer and Roadbuster are one place, impactor and guzzle or somewhere, uh, Equitus is still – I mean, there, there's still a mystery around Equitus and what's beneath it. I guess that comes from issue six of More Than Meets the Eye. Uh-huh. Verity's still got a copy of all those records that, uh, that Prowl has. So there, there's lots you're, of things that are swirling around. You're setting
1: this up were- beautifully, yeah. No, seriously, <laughs> that, that's it. That That's pretty much you know, where, where we've left all the characters. It's a, uh, I, But I hate trying to shill – Last Stand of the Records too much but yeah in the, in the hardcover version of the Last Stand of the Records there's bonus material which sort of kind of the uh, some of which James wrote in text form and then I did a Verity Story and uh, Springer, or uh, uh, Guzzle and Impactor story. And so the, the Springer story is basically, well, it's not a Springer story, it's a Roadbuster story. Basically, Springer's still right, in, right. He's still in a coma following his injuries at Garrus 9. And uh, uh, Roadbuster is essentially sort of like Florence nightingale him, trying to sort of like <laughs> return him to full health on Debris, which is the Record space station. Uh, so that's, that storyline is very much followed up. Road, Roadbuster is a very big part of the story very very big part um and then the guzzle impactor thing guzzle impactor uh basically kind of impactor is trying uh, we at the end of last time of the records he's trying to do the right thing you know by spring springer sort of showing him kind of how to be more of an autobot as opposed to be a record you know you know and um guzzle is kind of uh guzzle is a guy who likes explosions and hurting people and kind of like seeing people purple badges die and uh so he's kind of um Guzzle's kind of got the, a blood a bloodlust thing going on you know and that's that's kind of where we left him in the short story in the hardcover and Impactor kind of likes that side of life too but yeah but he's trying to sort of kind of stay on a straight and narrow trying to keep Guzzle on that same path but he where we kind of meet him in last in Sins of the records, we real, we find an Impactor that realize he's trying to fight against his own programming he's trying to fight against what he is and and can anyone really change you know and, and that's a big theme of sins of the records is the cyclical nature of those these characters and these transformers are so long lived um do any of them really change they 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 live for so long that, that yeah they do change but do they not just revert back i mean we've seen prowl have kind of hangs of conscience are kind of moments where he's gone no i've gone too far I, I i must step off this path and right some wrongs but we also know that he's kind of gone back on that you know so <laughs> if it's not just proud that that's happened to i think these characters live too long that they just they're doomed to repeat kind of patterns of behavior and that's a big theme of sins of the records so we sort of issue one we find out where impactor and Robuster are and kind of as for springer and guzzle we sort of there's a lot of things that have happened off-panel between Last Stand of the Records and Sins of the Records that account for how Roadbuster and Impactor currently feel and where they are. Okay. Without saying too much, because <laughs> I can't say too much. But yeah, that's that's kind of it.
2: Well, I guess one thing that that has a that sh- I think should have a big effect on the records is that I, I think in Last Stand of the of the Records the war was still officially on. Now the war is mostly officially kind of over yeah
1: all those how to, are needed for, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so so how, do, how does that change what they how they think about their place in the universe because there are no there is no
1: that is no huge
2: decepticon threat to, that is to literally the take first
1: on. conversation that you get between two records in sins of the records is that conversation uh pretty much yeah that's it's page page six that conversation has had in sins of the records, uh, so it's oh, my preview only goes up to four. Pages I know, I've here. noticed that. I've noticed <laughs> that, and those four pages aren't necessarily the first four pages either. So it's uh, oh uh, clever, clever stuff, huh? But it's uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, yeah. No, it's a good point. the uh, The records are kind of at loss what to do. Uh, that doesn't mean they're not. There's not battles to be fought, or I mean, and that's like I said, that's partially where we kind of find uh, mm-hmm. impactor. You know, like it, it, he's he hasn't been sitting on his hands. Well, he can't sit on one of his hands, obviously, because he <laughs> gave himself a sore arse. But uh, he, um, yeah, he hasn't uh, he hasn't been, yeah, sort of sitting idle. So yeah. it's uh, there's definitely things out there to kind of occupy people if if they go looking for it. So so that's kind of where it is. But it's but even as far as kind of figuring out where the story kind of lands in continuity and kind of in the bigger picture of the war quote-unquote, the war, um, it does It does have a firm place. The, the, the thing about Sins of the records is, and John's been great, John Barber, the editor, has been great at this. He's been sort of allowing me to tell a story that is going to have repercussions but is vague enough that it doesn't need to have, you don't need to have read John's comic or more than the to kind of know what's going on because he pointed out that the thing about Last Stand of the Records is that, you know, you can pick that up and not need to know about what happened really in all how Megatron and what was going on and my like cost is ongoing and the Bumblebee Mini mm-hmm. that have been running concurrently. So, you know, I can answer questions probably during issue one even or afterwards, but saying, look, here's where it takes place and this is why this is not being mentioned, but everything kind of has been thought of. You know, all it, it will all fit, but it's but it has been designed with kind of uh, the standalone story kind of in mind, purely because we, we got so much feedback about Last Stand of the Records that it was a lot of people's first... Comics sometimes but first transformers comic and it was the transformers comic that was given to people who don't read transformers comics a lot of people passed on to friends and say look i know you think you don't like this but you might like it if you read this and you know for whatever we kind of managed to pull off it seems that you know in a lot of those instances it was what kind of brought people back for more or kind of, or showed people who were skeptical about transformers comics that they they, they could be uh, a viable you know worth 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 people's time and that's right it's kind of what we're trying to sort of do with Sins of the Records as well. And I know that sounds a little bit kind of highfalutin or kind of elitist, or, or but it's, it's the fact that it's it's the opposite of elitism. It's, it's you know, I, I, I say in every interview almost that I any comic I write, I try and write it with my wife in mind and not because she has, like, you know, she's not stupid or has any, like, you know, slow reading speed or anything like that. But she's, <laughs> but, you know, she's, she doesn't read Transformers comics. She reads comics, but she doesn't, she's not a Transformers fan, quote-unquote. So she if she can figure out who these characters are and why they're doing what they're doing, then anyone can, you know, who's picked this comic up dry. And, uh, and that's, that's a good thing. And, you know, it's, it's a good way to write any comic. I think it's, it's, we want, we want new readers, you know, it's, it's an industry that's going to eat itself otherwise. So yeah, I feel, yeah. I feel like I've answered a lot of questions that you didn't ask me. I'm really sorry.
2: <laughs> no, that's great. So, uh, so I did. So speaking of the four page preview and we did get a chance to get, to actually get it, um, thanks to one of our listeners who was at New York Comic-Con and sent us a bunch of copies Ooh, of that. Very good. And uh, so thank you to Tom Procia, who who's out there. One of our, one of our big oh, fans. Smashing. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and the one thing I noticed that it does deal a lot with Cup, which is another uh, character that has, has has been a thread through a lot of the, the comics that you've written for IDW. So I, I did go back and read spotlight cup and then all hail Megatron 15 where uh, you had you showed how Cup had undergone the pretender process, that's and right, now yeah. uh, in this in this uh, in this little preview, we see some of the repercussions of that. So uh, I'm wondering if if that's going to uh, his his connection to Prowl is maybe going to be the the thing there uh, that's going to be picked up. Uh,
1: well, yeah, I mean within f- the story, it's, it's hard to you know. The fact that I'm being vague about it is almost an answer in itself, right? So it kind of tells you. <laughs> so, uh, no, no, I'm not using it at all. No, it's, yeah. The, the, the thing about the Cup strand is that I think I think there's, there is a reading list ahead of reading Sins of the records Again, you don't need to read them, but you'll be, I said to you in an email earlier, Charles, that you'll be ahead of everyone, if you read these comics and those comics are basically everything I've ever written bar spotlight Megatron, I think. And I'd love to think that there's a connection in there somehow, <laughs> but I don't think there is, unfortunately. Uh, so no cup um, cup on that planet kind of, you know uh, not, you know, out, gone out of his mind, you know, it, it's radiation sickness and thinking he's seen zombies when actually he's seeing his rescuers and he was decommissioned after that. And the proud placed these protocols in within him the, basically meant that Prowl could have a connection to him to use cup because cup is such a charismatic figure, uh, to use Prowl- cup as this uh, kind of mouthpiece because Prowl's kind of logical and workable solutions to the Autobots winning the war around the all hell Megatron era wasn't being listened to because prime would l- rather listen to someone like Ironhide and kind of go with his gut a bit more rather than maybe do some of the more dubious stuff that Prell was suggesting, but w- that would have been more effective and possibly ultimately have maybe saved more lives, you know, um, but we never got to see that being used because um, Cup got kind of written off screen in um, infestation, you know, pretty much as soon as the that story had kind of settled, you know, uh, he, Abner and Lanning kind of wrote him off. Uh, but they, at the same time, they did use the the mind control element like that. And so that was so cool to see the writers of Guardians of the Galaxy realize that they read the, the Cup Spotlight the zombie aspect of it. They'd read the, the, the issue with the mind control and stuff like that. And then <laughs> implemented it to kind of like write cup off, you know, and banish him to the dead universe. So I was, I, I'm kind of seeing this. I, I would hope I would really, really hope that I, it won't be too long again before I write something for Transformers after sins of the records, maybe not drawing it, but I'd love to maybe write another mini or come up with something for W in the near future rather than kind of waiting the years and years again. Um, so I'm not seeing this as a swan song necessarily. However, it, the pattern has been that I tend to go years without writing something for them. So I'm trying to look at a lot of the plot threads that I've left dangling, a lot of the kind of toys that I put in the toy box, and I'm going to see if I can, I don't know, if not destroy them, at least wipe my nose on them so that people aren't going to want to touch them again after it. So it's, um, yeah, so basically if you read the cup stories and I stand of the records, you'll, you, all those little kind of plot threads, stuff that cop and stuff about Aquitus, you know, all, all that is going to kind of come to um, a nice, neat, explosive, bloody kind of tear soaked end.
2: All right. So what going to just, a, some general transformer stuff, uh, is there any chance we'll get you to a, a convention at North America next year? Oh man, I'd love to, I'd
1: love to, uh, it's really, um, it's depending on kind of the convention organizers kind of summoning me, to be honest, to kind of. Uh, I don't know if I kind of have the, the budget at the moment to make it to a Transformers convention. I'm not, That makes it sound like I'm kind of like, you know, got like holes in my trousers and stuff like that. And I'm going to go full on Tiny Tim for Christmas. But it's, uh, no, it, it just, it kind of doesn't always make sense to kind of, you know, if I go to a convention, I'm kind of losing uh, work time. Do you know, like, like right. I you know, deadline time, work time. That's, that's I suppose, to, I mean, so... But, uh, I don't know, I've heard, I've heard rumblings that maybe one or two of the conventions might be interested in getting me over. And I, I only hope that I can make it, genuinely, because I've I've got lots of things happening after Wreckers, and I... You know, and even some of that's kind of family based stuff, you know, that I know I kinda of need to sort of kind of I can't there's certain times of year which I know I won't be able to be available. And I just I just hope to God that if a call does come from one of the conventions that I can kind of make it. I think I'm I'm quite keen to make it to um one of the New York shows uh in the near future. Uh like the uh, new york comic-con special edition which happens in july which is very kind of comic centric um but i've heard so many good things about tfcon no matter where it's held and it's been years since i've done a botcon you know so um i'd really love to i'd really love to do it Jeez, i just wish it wasn't so far away that's the real that's the main problem to be honest it's just the time taken it kind of comes to because i can kind of do the two or three nights at the convention but it's the kind of the the three days worth of traveling that you kind of need to do Kind of either side of it you know but uh i don't know if there's a convention who kind of fancies sort of bringing me over and kind of has a a tent that they could put me up in then uh i'll see you in 2016 folks but that let's be honest here they might not want my action after sins of the records comes out people are thinking it's going to be good but there's absolutely no reason to think it's going to be any good like you know this could be (laughs) like this could be the biggest disappointment. this could be the phantom menace or not even Phantom Menace. The Phantom Menace is vaguely watchable. This could be Attack of the Clones, guys. <laughs> I doubt that. I very much doubt well, that. Well, I told myself that <laughs> in 2002 as well, didn't I? But, you know, it's a, uh, yeah. So, no, it's a uh, hope, look, if since of the Records does well, then, then obviously that'll increase my chances, I think, for kind of people wanting to come see me and uh, shake my hand and ruffle my hair and buy original artwork from sins of the records available from november 18th uh at all good comic shops uh <laughs> to, 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 um you know so but yeah but in also especially over the last few years we kind of connecting on twitter and online and stuff like that i just really want to kind of meet people you know and not and mm-hmm. not in a sort of a i'm at one side of the desk there at the other side of the desk sort of like relationship i just want to kind of say hi to people and kind of talk you know comic art with them you know and kind of like have proper arguments about no you're wrong about why you don't like that artist not mentioning anyone uh <laughs> it's <laughs> you know it's just that's what kind of conventions and these meetups are all about because i mean i'm still any kind of reluctance i had to kind of draw transformers only comes from my own feelings about my own approach to drawing transformers it's not coming to me as a consumer of it you know i'm still i still buy them i still buy the toys i still buy the the comics you know so I still have to buy the damn comics. Why, where are my freebies coming in for crying out loud? <laughs> well, speaking of the toys, just real
2: quick. I, I mean, I know the, the Springer design you did for last Stand of the records did get turned into a toy in 2013. It actually won our poll for the best uh, Hasbro generation no, story. Did it really? That year. Oh, it did. Yeah. It, it got over, it, I think got like 57% what? of the vote. So it was a, a true majority. <sighs> Yikes. Um, so, uh, so in terms of the toys, I mean, do you, did Hasbro work with you at all on designing that toy? And then another question is, do you see like some of the third party toys that are, uh, that are made based on your designs from the comics? Uh, I think, uh, um, Daryl's reminding me of, of like, there's a, there's one,
1: uh, a head add on of cup to make him look. Like yeah. his last end of the records are yeah. uh, incarnation well, I, from Eye Gear. Do you know what the thing about that is that I didn't design I mean Guido drew that, you know, for all head megatron because he had oh. the uh, you know, the kind of the Saigar thing or whatever in his face. I tend to sort of kind of draw Cup's head always grizzled because his head is the only original part of him left, you know what I mean? Because he's had the <laughs> pretender process and all that sort of stuff. Right. So but uh but yeah, I have I have the Iron Fist figure that they did a couple of oh, years ago okay. I've got that He's that, and that's ridiculous because that is literally my design same well, same as the Springer thing, well except the Springer doesn't turn into the copter in the car that I designed, they, they managed to completely, you know, reverse engineer workable Earth-esque modes-ish for him, but still <laughs> keep him looking like my robot but the thing about the Springer toy is I was doing designs for Hasbro at the time, uh, well actually back in 2010, and they asked me to design a Sandstorm figure and so I designed Sandstorm, the figure that came out that everyone thought was kind of reverse engineered from Springer, but no, they obviously, they, I designed Sandstorm. They built that, they designed that toy first and then they figured out a way to add on all the bits to make it look like my Springer, which is just ridiculous. So, you know, like, wow, yeah, it's, okay. it's really, it's incredible. So like that, that Sandstorm, the, 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 that sandstorm figure is especially the copter mode um and and the robot mode are is exactly how i designed them pretty much uh like the, all the seams and all the details on them he's he's mine and then once they figured out his transformation they managed to sort of kind of yeah figure a springer out for it as well but like but an identical springer as to my design so I, I designed both those toys you know so it's it's kind of kind of crazy oh but i say designed i mean look i did a sketch and the designers uh, yeah, I don't want to sort of steal credit from the actual engineers and, and the actual Hasbro design team, but it's but yeah, the character designed. I guess the character designed both those figures. Yeah, and yeah, it's mm. ridiculous seeing the more than eye stuff. It's ridiculous looking around the room here and seeing. Yeah. Like I've got brainstorm here looking at me, and you know I've got <laughs> I've got I've got that Ultra Magnus for my birthday. You know, and it's just it's just incredible. Like I've I designed the Ultra Magnus toy now, you know, it's like, hey, when was that? Yeah, how, did, yeah. how did that happen? You know? And again, Springer <laughs> as well, all the characters that are kind of my favorites, you know, it's kind of like, uh you know, i did, did, did that Cloud Rodimus, the Takara Cloud Rodimus, which is based on a Springer sandstorm mold as well. So again, essentially I can pretend that I've designed that hot rod, you know? So it's, it's, it's kind of, <laughs> it's all, it's all, it's all coming up Nick. So it, it's, it's, it's wonderful. It is wonderful. I'd love to, it's a it's a timing thing but i'd love to kind of have a dedicated time period to kind of do some work with hasbro again because they're really supportive they really just let you go mad and they figure out all the hard stuff afterwards you know it's it's a it's cool and then it's cool as well i mean with records or sins of the records i haven't really well for the main cast i haven't really done a huge amount of like design work i've been using andrew's andrew griffith's um cup and rc so because it ties in with you know the ongoing on earth and stuff and stakeout pretty much looks like his micromaster version hopcab is new and uh roadbuster is i've it's my design whatever but kind of a lot of the other characters you're going to see are kind of how they've appeared before you know um yeah well yeah yeah <laughs> sorry just yeah i was just thinking of things like I, I, I should i should i drop some sort of hint about <laughs> kind of a whole set of other characters that you know no one's kind of guessed yet and i'll, I'll keep it there's the, you know but, but basically there's a whole there's a whole subsection of characters that haven't you know there's not even a sniff of yet and uh that people won't expect and, you know, I don't even see them for some time in issue too. I think, you know, it's, it's kind of, that, and that's the thing about sins of the records, you know, it, it's a complete miss. It's, it's a mystery story is, is the plan is the idea of it. it's kind of, right. you know, it's, it's who, who kidnapped Prowl and why, and kind of, so you've got, and, and you know, it's, it's a whodunit element to it is, is, is it basically because from the four page preview, you've sort of seen that Verity has a motive, you know, and she was the last person to have contacted Prowl, uh, mm-hmm. and she has dirt on him you know, so. Could be her, but you know there's there's other people that we know and that we meet that he's it's you know he's he's crossed everyone he's ruined so many lives you know, and so uh there's plenty of reasons to uh, to suspect someone uh and yeah, and so that that's 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 kind of what it is, and so it, it's a slow burn we we kind of we are learning you know we're 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 solving the mystery with the records with the characters you know we're we're not really in the know before anyone else uh you know we we're we're not at like two two sort of issues ahead of the records as far as like what's going on so it's uh and and so it's it's not as crash bang wallop as last time of the records it hasn't got like a big ridiculous prison break in the first page you know it's about <laughs> kind of a creepy sort of atmosphere you know it it's a lot of it is about the environment uh i feel i feel like I completely commandeered this question to plug the comic but, it's, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's it's stuff that I kind of wanted to just get across it it's it's yeah. i really we're really working hard and, and, you know, it's somewhere, it's something that Josh Bertram, the colorist is really kind of, that's where he's coming to the fore, I think is the environment and the atmosphere. And, you know, he's, he's, he changes the style to kind of match the styles that I change all the flipping time, but, but it always seems to suit the story, you know, and what we're trying to sort of kind of evoke, I think is just this kind of like eerie sort of kind of coldness with, especially with issue one, of the last time of the records, but, or with sins of the records, but a kind of sense of just being alone of isolation, and that's kind of uh, there's there's something in I think in every issue of Sins of the Records which I can confidently say you definitely will have not seen in a Transformers comic, and and possibly not in any tra- any comic. We're, we're we're doing some some suitably bonkers stuff and there's some really kind of visuals which are like, yep, didn't didn't see it coming. You know, it's it's kind of and and you know that, thanks to John Barber again for letting me kind of do that as well. I'm not even talking about kind of necessarily paneling or storytelling things. I just mean you'd never, you never would have guessed that character X would have done, you know, thing Y, you know? So it's, it's uh, a, <laughs> yeah, re- I can't wait. I mean, I'm dreading it as well because things are a bit more instant feedback wise and on the internet than it maybe was even five years ago. You know, there's message boards, but you know, I have a Twitter account now I can, and people, in fairness, people don't usually ask someone to, to be dickheads to genuinely, you know, I know it, it does happen, but, you know in comics it, it doesn't happen that often you know but but it's hard not to discover when someone isn't happy you know and, and kind of carry that around with you as well so I'm kind of hoping that uh, you know you don't expect to please everyone and you know you don't want to please everyone either but you want you do want everyone to give it a fair shake and, and we've been working on it long enough and kind of hard enough that you know you just you just want people to kind of give it a chance and if it's not for you it's not for you but I, I think I think if you like Transformers and if you especially if you liked Last Stand of the Records, and if you want to know what kind of has been happening to your old mates since then and look if you want to see prowl in serious serious trouble it's uh, it's it's i think it's the place to be really I'm, I'm, draw, I'm drawing stuff yeah i'm drawing stuff at the moment which kind of really kind of puts prowl in a, in a bad way you know so you'll be people people people, people like that don't they <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah
2: the I got to tell you, that doesn't sound anywhere near as lame as Attack of the Clone. so I think we're all going to enjoy it.
1: Yeah, Attack of the Clone sounded <laughs> good on on paper, right? But yeah, no, I, I hope so. I hope so. It's a, uh, it's funny because it's it's yeah, it's 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 a sequel to records. It's the Wreckers series. It's records Part Two. It's it's very much an organic follow on. But it's um, but I do you do find that when Prowl is involved, he does dominate, doesn't he? Like even when he's off screen, he's, mm-hmm. he's 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 on screen. So I kind of. You know, my own, my only worry would people would be sort of like, you know, it, it's, it's very Prell centric, but it's, but it's very record centric as well. It's, it's kind of, there's no other characters really would be involved in this, excuse me, this transaction, this kind of, uh, you know, th- this, this level of interaction with Prel on on this level. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the, the thing I'm happiest about is the fact that Verity is, is first and foremost kind of involved. You know, I, I really love that she's involved she's the instigator for the story really you know she kicks it off and she's got she's got a really great arc all of her own you know she's uh you know as essential as she some, sometimes people thought she wasn't essential to the last time of the records and she was she, she definitely needed to be there even from a point of view of like i'm, I'm a firm believer that in transformers you kind of need a little bit of context as and the, the humans offer the context that they are giant aliens you know that mm-hmm. and, and that the robots otherwise they kind of do feel and I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's sometimes it's nice to be reminded of the transformeriness of transformers, and and verity kind of kind of adds that, and setting it on Earth as well kind of gives that. I think that's important as well. It kind of I really wanted to see these characters kind of interact, and I really wanted to draw Earth. It's nice kind of making up kind of locations and drawing lots of kind of bases and kind of tech heavy environments, but I kind of really wanted to draw kind of an Earth environment this time around. Cool. All right, so we we like
2: to for our guests, we like to end the interview with a, a set of rapid fire questions. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. you might have heard these. before. Yes, I have. So, uh, <laughs> so you ready? <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> All right, Autobot or Decepticon? Autobot. And your favorite Autobot? Hot rod.
1: Okay. I know. So white bread. <laughs> 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 so he's so he he is so poochy. I know, but he's uh He's he's not though he's not he's he's been there since pretty much my beginning of it you know and I just I just relate to he's such a knucklehead you know I just (laughs) he is he is I am him (laughs) and you know what, I'm not even him I'm nowhere near as cool as him and that's so that's how uncool I am (laughs) but yeah he's he's brilliant I love
2: him. All right, Transformers live action movie one two three or four.
1: One haven't seen four. Followed by three as my second favorite. Two is a okay. disaster, but as I say, I haven't seen four. No one, one, yeah. I, one I think would still. I'm elaborating in a rapid fire conversation. <laughs> <laughs> one, one I would. Uh, one, I would. still watch and enjoy, and and would show to people and say, "Look, this is okay, isn't it?" And it is. It's okay. It's good. It's really good. It's a good fish out of water introduction to Transformers. I think. I think it's. I think it's. I think it is a good film. I think it is a good Transformers film. It's not a great Transformers film, but it's a good Transformers film. I'm sorry if that means I have to hand it in my card. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay.
2: Uh, Megan Fox, Rosie huntington Wheatley, or Nicola Peltz? <sighs> For what? Just pick which one you like. I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, you pick, You make a choice. <laughs> Jeepers. I have to pick. <laughs> whatever, cri- whatever criteria <sighs> you you want to use. Crikey,
1: oh, blimey. <sighs> Acting-wise... It would have to be the one I haven't seen yet. I think (laughs) so. Okay, that's that's sort of that criteria. I think so. On kind of oiliness, then Megan Fox wins. She seems, she seems kind of. She seems to be sort of like she seems to be shot in a kind of a a glistening oil in that film, doesn't she? In both those films, I I kind of worry about that the girl's pores might be blocked due to whatever Michael Bay kind of had her coated in i don't mean like that i mean that she's she's just shot in a weird yeah she just she just looks a bit too sort of shiny you know but again deliberately so in the same way as everything in his films are shiny and that's the thing she's she's clearly a thing in those films isn't she she's not a i don't think she's a person on on the page or as an actress bless her i think she's been important as a prop by michael bay yeah. yeah that's 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 what i think
2: okay more than meets the eye or not robots oh disguise. you
1: prick oh <laughs> god well look i can legitimately say more than meets the eye because i i was on issue one i've done the covers for i'm kind of designed a lot of the characters okay so it doesn't seem like a, a weird playing favorites thing you know it's 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 the football team because i'm so sporty it's the team i played on so i have an affinity for them you know so uh yeah that's 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 it. But, and we said that, when um, Barbara's comic, especially at the moment, is kind of maybe what I would prefer to be drawing. Not script-wise, but set-wise, uh, location-wise, kind of uh, setting-wise. You know, like the, uh, it's set on Earth. They're in Earth alt modes. There's people in it. And it's got Earth environments. So, you know, if you asked me which one I'd want to draw at the moment, it might be that one. Uh, but, again, past partially because I've done more than ACI, you know? So I just want to do something different. But uh, yeah, so, but more BCI. Then Why am I elaborating on rapid fire? It's like I don't understand rapid fire. Huh.
2: <laughs> no problem. Uh, third party toys, yes or no?
1: <sighs> Shit. <laughs> no, I'm nodding my head. <laughs> As in, nodding my head, yes. But I'm shaking my mouth saying, no, 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 no. They're bad but I'm looking at my iron fist <laughs> I don't know I thought you know I haven't I haven't bought them in a long time I didn't, I haven't bought bought them in a long time uh, it's I mm, rapid fire uh, it's good when they do something that is not going to be done by Hasbro that's the right thing to say and so stuff like impactor and iron fist and things like that yeah you know, so but it's uh, it's they're, they're very well made some of them aren't they they're very evil all of them don't buy them. But look at how nicely made they are. But you're a terrible person if you buy them. Yeah, but okay. they're characters that I like. Yeah, but you are probably supporting ISIS. So that's <laughs> okay. That's how I feel about it. Conflicted.
2: Okay. Cats or dogs? Dogs.
1: Jesus, that was easy.
2: <laughs> uh, coffee or tea?
1: Tea, please. Thank you. Only a little bit of sugar, but a good bit of milk. Thanks.
2: Uh, Chicken or steak?
1: Oh, so common chicken.
2: Pepsi or Coke? Coke. Burger King or McDonald's?
1: Burger King. Haven't had either in about 10 years, but but I could easily fall into the, like, skag addiction that was my Burger King flirtation a decade ago. So, yeah, I could quite happily die bloated and obese and pus-covered. And a Burger King world. <laughs> God, get me a double-baked cheeseburger. No, but don't. It's like the third-party toys all over again. Uh, history or science? History, I think. Yeah, I think just because I can access it easier. Science is probably more important. Science is going to get us out of this, but I can always go back to history.
2: <laughs> uh, Xbox or PlayStation?
1: PlayStation, because mummy wouldn't let me have an Xbox. <laughs>
2: And uh, Call of Duty or Battlefield?
1: I've not never played neither of them games, sir. I'm really crap at playing modern games. Uh, Singstar? <laughs> <It's-> Transformers Devastation? <laughs> oh, maybe? I'm dying to play that. I'm going to wait until <laughs> I think it's safe to wait until records is finished i think before i crack that one open to be honest i don't need it i don't need it in my life it looks but I, mean, okay. I do need it in my life that's the thing it looks incredible it looks ridiculous people keep sort of sending me, like friends of mine who aren't necessarily comics fans or whatever gamers or whatever but they keep sort of sending me youtube videos of it. Going, are, you, are you getting this i'm like i will do but i still have um fall of cybertron or war for cybertron which one is the second one War Falls. Fall, fall, so. I still have that in a cellophane downstairs. What what sort of dick bag does that? Me. That's the answer. <laughs> so and crack that open first and then I'm gonna but geez, yeah, Devastation just looks like irresponsible amounts of fun, doesn't it? Have you guys played it?
2: Yes, yeah. yes. We're enjoying Thumbs it. Thumbs up. Yes. Yeah, it works as it. Daryl's already beat it. It yeah. works
1: as a Transformers game and as a game on its own, and yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah,
1: I'll do it. Yeah. I'll get into it. Make it happen.
2: <laughs> uh, PC or Mac? Uh,
1: PC. I feel like I'm painting uh, a fo- horrible, horrible profile <laughs> on myself here. I'm feeling like I'm being judged already by your listeners, <laughs> but they're your listeners they can't judge me.
2: <laughs> uh, iPhone or Android? Android. Marvel or so what? What phone app can you not live without?
1: Uh, I don't use. I don't use them. Viber, I guess probably, because I'm cheap. Uh, okay. so yeah, yeah. no, I, I use my phone, I only just used got a smartphone for the first time this year, because I just um, I, uh, it's because my, my brother and my sister moved to different countries, and so this is literally the only reason I got a smartphone, so I could sort of use sort of Skype and Viber and things like that, you know, on the move. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, I'd be quite happy, sort of like texting from 1998. Uh, so, yeah, so, and yeah, I took, also, I know that if I had apps, I would use them uh, you know, I would. I I did some work this year for uh, uh, a a tablet based and mobile based video game, and I know that I'm never going to play that game. and It's really weird, but it's uh, yeah. Uh, which hopefully I can tell you more about it soon. But yeah, you know, anyway, it's just one of those. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, yeah, just the the app that makes me call my mom is is the one I can't live without. Yeah. Uh,
2: Marvel or DC. Marvel. And your favorite Marvel character.
1: Uh, that's said. Ah yes, yeah. yeah. Good I, I was going to say Spider Man, but but <laughs> he's a favorite. Yeah, no. I mean, again, so white bread Nick, you 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 just like all the <laughs> you just like all the quip quippy youths. But it's uh, uh, no. I mean, I'd love to draw Spidey, but I mean, again, the, the whole getting. Through, I got to draw Transformers, my first professional comic, and it was the only comic I ever wanted to draw. And it's the same with Marvel. The only Marvel comic I well, you know, the the Marvel comic I wanted to draw the most in the world was the Death Ted comic, and I got to draw that and you know so that's i'm taking them off i can die by the time i'm 40 see you there kids
2: <laughs> uh stallone or schwarzenegger stallone all right yeah
1: uh yeah and um, the more, more and more i experience with stallone the more i legitimately think he's a he's a force for good in this world he's uh, i saw <laughs> i saw first blood for the first time a few weeks ago oh okay. a- actual good film <laughs> but in the same way that like a film is good. and am not just a good Stallone film. I think it was a good film. I, but I haven't seen, right. I haven't seen the sequels, but I know they become more and more explosive and ridiculous and overblown, <laughs> but it's a, uh, yeah. So no, Stallone, Stallone. Yeah. I think, I think Schwarzenegger, you're a chancer. You're a chancer, mate. Come at me.
2: <laughs> okay. I'll have to figure out what a chancer is. So, someone, okay. someone who is
1: <laughs> bluffing their way through life and it's just ah, yeah okay. just you know getting by with minimum amount of skill and talent but look at him whereas look <laughs> Stallone can write you know Stallone dominated for a writing Oscar you know and he played Judge Dredd <laughs> that time right
2: <laughs> uh, Zoe Saldano or Scarlett Johansson
1: <sighs> you pick one you're a racist it's uh, <laughs> No, (laughs) that's the way Irish people think because we only see sort of redheaded, pale people over here. So we're kind of—I'm trying to come across as cosmopolitan. I, to be to be honest, I think so. Well, again, hey, for what now? I'm trying to sort of like sort of buck my male objectifying ways by sort (laughs) of. Let me think. Do you know what I've only seen? I've only seen Scarlett Johansson in. Two films, one of which is an Avengers film, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the other which is lost in translation. Uh, and I've seen Zoe Saldana in two. Fi- no, yeah, I think Saldana. To be honest, I think I'm gonna go. I'm to go Navajo. Not that she's a ho. <laughs> I mean Navajo. I mean, oh God, I'm not a bad person. I said that wrong. <laughs> that was a slip of the tongue. Twitter.
2: Okay, next question. Yo, next Tumblr's
1: question. <laughs> Like, Twilight or Hunger like Games. I tried not to be racist, but it came out sexist <laughs> and it wasn't. It's because it's late at night over here and I didn't mean it like that, guys. You know I didn't. Come on. Oh god, what did you say? Hunger Games? Hunger Games. I haven't seen it or read it, but I have seen Twilight, so Hunger Games. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, Pixar or DreamWorks? Uh, Pixar, because they don't shoehorn ridiculous pop culture references and dance sequences to contemporary music tracks in at a moment's notice. And they have heart and charm, but yeah, otherwise they're identical. (laughs) Yeah, no, uh, Pixar. (laughs) (laughs) Star
2: Wars or Star Trek?
1: Oh, it's a weird ass that in the week that we've had, isn't it, with the Star Wars trailer. Yep. Yeah, Back to the Future.
2: <laughs> okay,
1: <laughs> is my genuine answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that 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 is acceptable. But, I, but, I, yeah, but the fact that I have, have uh, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling with both of them because I love them both an awful lot. Yeah, <laughs> they both scratch different itches, don't they? It's like, what do you prefer, shoes or underwear? <laughs> Depends who's wearing them. Depends what they're wearing. No, look, Jesus, come on.
2: <laughs> Simpsons or Family Guy? Simpsons. Walking Dead or Game of Thrones?
1: Right. Well, this is where I have to admit that I have never seen either of those things. <laughs> Actually, no, I've seen the the pilot of Walking Dead and as good as it was, obviously it didn't make me watch any more of it. So um, <laughs> I think I'd gone off the comics at that stage. So I kind of thought, well, I'm ultimately going to go off the TV show. So why bother? So um, I... So I will say Walking Dead because the pilot is great. The pilot is a great like standalone kind of horror thing. I think it's really, really good. Uh, but yes, I know it's my loss for missing out. You know what? I just meant Navajo as in it's a. It's just a word that came to me. I wasn't – I wasn't. I know I'm drawing attention to this, the fact that I said Navajo, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, and I know I'm digging a grave Ooh, by saying it. but I, I was trying to help you move know by know moving that, on, I Nick. That, I know that, but <laughs> – Guys, I mean, if we could switch the video for now, but you'd see how red-faced I am. I genuinely, I didn't, oh God, I'll do better as a human. I'm sorry.
2: All right. NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, or. What the fuck are you talking uh, about? European football.
1: <laughs> you don't do sports, don't, so we can skip I don't that. do acronyms. Uh, no, I don't. No, no, I don't have an answer to that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, hang on a second. Do I? Yes, I do. Is one of the answers NBA Jam? Sure. So yeah, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> Who's on fire All right. from downtown?
3: <laughs> uh, Porsche, Ferrari,
2: or Lamborghini?
1: Lamborghini because of sideswipe on Streaker.
2: Nice. Yeah. And last question, blonde, brunette, or redhead?
1: Right. Jeepers, guys. Now, uh, like, I, I have an answer, right? But I'm also a man who's, number one, painfully aware of what he just said. <laughs> and also aware that we're supposed to be better than that, you guys. But there's a way around <laughs> this, and I can tell you that I'm married to a brunette, and therefore, that is the correct answer at all levels. Great. <laughs> We're God. done. <laughs> you oh, made did, it. Did I? Let's find out tomorrow after everyone hears this.
2: <laughs> well, Nick, uh, thanks so much for, for coming on. Uh, you, you actually stayed a little bit extra. So thanks. Thanks no so worries. much for spending some extra time it's, with it's us. Hard, it's
1: hard to stop, isn't it? So yeah, it's it's it, Yeah, it's it, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I got to sort of spend time with you guys. I'll tell you now, yes, I won't be listening you. to this one. <laughs> and, you know, let's be honest. Not all of us were listening to this one anyway, so it's fine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I, I think we're we're gonna wrap it up here. So thanks again to Nick Rose for joining us. And uh, Nick, uh, so you mentioned you're on Twitter. So where where can people find you on the internet?
1: At J Roberts three three two. Anything you don't like about Wreckers or sins of the Wreckers, send it that way, please. Um, I am a, I am at Nick Roach as it's spelled N I C K R O C H E, and uh, yeah, that's me. Come say hi to me, please. Uh, that's where, and I'm obviously in the run up to sins of the Wreckers. I'm posting like little previews, and a lot of the time I'm kind of posting pencil art or unfinished artwork from uh, issues uh, kind of further in the run as well, and uh, maybe a bit near the time I might start leaking, kind of, um, kind of. Lines of dialogue as well. I know that's a fun thing to do uh, ahead of a release. Uh, please buy it, guys. And uh, please ask your lapsed Transformers comics fans, friends, to buy it. And please ask your comics fans who don't read Transformers to buy it, <laughs> as you know. So it's a, it'd be really good if we could sort of send a message, obviously based on the fact if you like it or not, but send a message to IDW that it's something that people we're asking for and that, you know, hopefully we delivered, you know, but obviously, you know, well, let, let's let the, the number speak for itself. But I know that Josh and I are really, really proud of what we put together. And we, we think as different as it is from last down of the records, we think it, it does. It it could stand fairly proudly with it. And it's, it can stand alone also we'll find out in the next month. Awesome. Ah! <laughs> I'm sure, you,
3: right. I'm sure your work's uh, very good. We can't, we can't, uh, uh, we can't speak for for josh it's he's
1: to be honest i don't pay attention to his side of it you know as soon as the as soon as the artwork is sent in i'm just you know not bothered i I mean those colors in those four pages looked okay didn't they i mean i haven't seen him but you know i think no he's the man he is he is the the mvp of the book he's 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 great this is josh perez we're talking about yeah Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's good. He's good, Uh, Nick. No, yeah, birch him all the way this time until Paris turns my head next time, and then I'll (laughs) hoarsely find my way in his swatch laden bed.
0: (laughs) Awesome. All right.
2: Thanks again, Nick, and we will talk to everyone next time. Thanks everyone for listening to transmissions. Uh, This has been a special episode with. Last Stand and Sins of the Wreckers uh, artist and writer Nick Roche, thanks for joining us, and maybe we'll have you back when when the mini series is over. We can do kind of a postmortem. Yeah, I would on uh, flipping on love the to whole do. Story. That. I really
1: hope so. I really, as long as everyone's still talking to me, not only for the work that <laughs> I did, but also for the slip of the tongue earlier.
2: <laughs> yeah. All right. Bye, everybody. Merry Christmas.
3: Bye.
0: Thanks for picking up our transmissions. Give us feedback on our website at www.transmissionspodcast.com. There you can find all of our contact information on social media, as well as all of the links to our show notes discussed on each episode. You can also email us directly at feedback at transmissionspodcast.com.